We have spent a couple weeks in our Silence and Solitude a series that we might set new rhythms at the beginning uh, of our year, that it would be a rhythm that would carry through our full year, uh, that the Lord would kind of carve pathways into our souls of, of knowing Him deeply and being shaped and transformed by Him because of our relationship with Him. And where we've been was two weeks ago, uh, we kind of got a taste uh, of sitting with the Lord. We, we said we have to stop, we have to be still and know that He is God. So we did that on a Sunday morning. We, we went through the Psalms together. Uh, we rejoiced over how he was with us in the previous year. We, we repented over areas that we needed to kind of uh, lay our disobedience before our God. And we received from him. What is he teaching us? Uh, what is he showing us as he's walked with us this past year? So we got a taste of that, right? Of silence, solitude, sitting with our God. Uh, then last week uh, we looked at Martha and Mary and how kind of first of primary importance, of rep repetitious importance, uh, of even chronological importance, that we ought to be people who sit at the feet of Jesus, that this would be a, a pattern, a rhythm of our lives that we would set. And this week, I, I want us to look at this idea. I'm going to move this guy here. This is going to poke me in the eye. This week, uh, we want to look at this idea of, okay, we... we we want to, we got a taste of sitting at the feet of Jesus. We, we want to make this a, a, a rhythm, a pattern of our lives. But, but what the heck do we do when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus? What's that look like? How do we spend time with the Lord? What's it look like? Uh, you know, I, I'm here at the feet of Jesus, right? I'm, I'm silent. I'm, I'm in solitude. And it's a little weird because I don't hear anything. And I read verses in like 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. You're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, a hope, right? Because we're receiving the salvation of our souls. But, but sometimes we don't feel that. We don't know that. Like what do we do when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus in silence and solitude when we're sitting with our Lord? What's that look like? I've been hearing from many of you that, that you're going about this, trying to uh, rhythm your life of sitting at the feet of Jesus, and maybe you're still in process, so I wanted to kind of uh, revisit the last kind of point of our last sermon, which was, uh, let's set this rhythm in our life. How do we kind of get there to the feet of Jesus, and what's the goal of being there? And then we'll spend time of what do we do when we find ourselves there at the feet of Jesus? What's that look like? So setting the rhythm. Uh, let's remember first, uh, you know, to, to kind of get to a point where we want to sit at Jesus' feet, that, that we ought to enjoy a taste of that first. Like I said, we did that a couple uh, weeks ago. We sat at Jesus' feet, and, and people were saying, man, that was just wonderful to sit there and enjoy time reflecting and in his word together. It's getting a taste of it kind of compels us to get to his feet, to set this as a rhythm in our life. And then set a simple rhythm. Just set a simple rhythm of, of sitting with the Lord. Uh, pick a time. Pick a place. And say, this is the time and this is the place I'm going to sit with my God. Uh, maybe you got a special chair. i got this nice leather chair I love. And I love uh, all through the Advent season sitting in that chair uh, right at the Christmas tree and, and reading uh, some poems, reading some scriptures and, and praying and, and sitting with the Lord. Set a time, set a place. Uh, be, be simple on it and, and be attainable. Don't, don't say, man, I'm going to sit with the Lord for four hours each day. It's going to be amazing. It, it probably is not going to happen. Set a simple, attainable time and place to rhythm your life to sit with the Lord. Create a reminder. 
We've got this chalkboard in our house, uh, and, I, and on it, uh, uh, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus is written out of Luke chapter 10. And, and then on this other chalkboard, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10 is written. Why? As a reminder, Matt, Courtney, John, Beth, sit at the feet of Jesus, a reminder to find ourselves there first. Uh, then uh, we said, an airplane your phone, airplane it. Uh, we, are, we are crashing our lives because uh, we have these incessant messages. We're never unconnected. Our, our souls never rest. Our mind never rests. There's this kind of unending white noise in our brains, in our hearts, in our souls. And, and it's kind of sucking the life out of us. Uh, airplane the phone, unplug. Sit with the Lord in silence, unplugged. Away from people, away from your phone. And last, pray, read, pray. The content of our time, pray, read, pray. That's what we'll go through this morning. That's the simple template of, well, what do we do when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus? We, We pray, we read, and we pray. A simple 15 minutes that will transform the 24 hours of your day. Pray, read, pray. Well, what's the goal of this time? You know, we set the rhythm. What's the goal? The goal of pray, read, pray, sitting with the Lord, it's not a checkbox. It's not, I'm a good Christian, I did it. I, I sat with God today. It's, it's not a checkbox. It's not legalism. It's, it's not a love letter. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear people say, you know, the Bible is God's love letter to us. And, and then we end up saying, man, I have to leave this time with a fuzzy feeling, feeling all warm in my heart. And if I didn't get that, something failed, something went wrong. Uh, this time, uh, this Bible is, is not, a, not a textbook, right? Like, it's not all about knowing more about having all the right doctrines or everything right in place and, and, and these statements that we can say are true or, or, oh, I know all of this. It's not an instruction manual or a reference book uh, where, where we say, Man, I, I need to find out how to be a better parent. I'm going to search this thing. Or uh, I need to be a better coworker. I'm going to search this thing as a reference book or, or, or some sort of instruction manual. If this is an instruction manual, it's not a very good one. Because there's a lot it doesn't talk about. I mean, I was trying to create a shared album the other day on my iPhone. I had no idea how to do it. Lord, where have you left me alone? Not an instruction manual, not a reference book, not a textbook, not a love letter, not a checkbox. Now, now it's a little bit of all those, isn't it? It's a little bit. Sitting with the Lord in his scriptures, praying, reading, praying. It's a little bit of all those, isn't it? it we're going to find, how do you become a better husband, a better mom, a better single, a better worker? How, how do you find about the ways of life. It's, it's in there. It's a, it is a textbook. They're, they're doctrine and, and what is true about God is, 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 is critically important in our lives. It is a love letter. I mean, often I will leave time with the Lord saying, man, I can't believe he loves me like that. And there is an overwhelming fuzzy feeling. And gosh, it is something we ought to do. It is a checkbox. We, we should put this on a repetitious list of our lives and do this over and over again and even be legalistic about it. 
Is that important? But what is this? What is this Bible? What is this time all about? What's the goal of it? It, it, The goal of this is, uh, as this is the very word, the very words of God, is to to know the heart of God, to know the mind of God, to know the story of God, and to be woven into who he is and what he's done uh, for us. See, the point of pray, read, pray, sitting at the feet of Jesus, the scriptures themselves, is to know the living God, the one true God. To know his story of how he's rescued and saved us and all of his creations, the plan he has to redeem and restore everything. Uh, To know the fact that we are woven into that story, woven into relationship with him in this process. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, the goal is all about knowing our God, being transformed by our God, being woven and written into his story. This is not a book about me. (laughs) It's a book about him and all he's done and his grace, his mercy, his might, his power, his plan, even through a fool like me. So, if you've written them in your life, if you're seeing the goal of what this is all about, You find yourselves at the feet of Jesus, and if you're like me, sometimes you think, man, what the heck do I do now that I'm here? Pray, read, pray. That's a simple 15 minutes that will transform 24 hours of your life every day, every week, every aspect of who you are, and man, it will bring life to your relationship with God and others, the purpose, the reason you live. Pray, read, pray. Uh, think of this as a conversation, right? This first kind of step of pray. You sit at the Lord's feet, and might you hear him say, how are you? And he calls us to sit at his feet, to be in relationship with him. Uh, the first thing we ought to do in prayer is to talk to him, to say, how are you? He, he really cares. He really knows. He really wants to know all about you, to have you pour your life honestly out to him, that he might meet you there. Honest prayer, real prayer, not hiding who you are or what you're thinking or what you've done or not done. He knows you and loves you and wants you. He calls you into relationship with himself. I I find it very helpful to have a journal with me while I'm doing this, while I'm praying, reading, and praying. uh, Because in it, it helps me focus when I talk to the Lord. I'll I'll write my prayers out, or I'll write the things he's showing me. And and I'll write down first, kind of in prayer, Lord, this is how I'm doing right now. Uh, I found it uh, helpful to kind of capture that in some sort of uh, what kind of the ancients call breath prayer. Uh, to, to spend a moment to think, man, how am I? That I might bring the real me before the real God. And, and then writing it out. You know, uh, we'll do this together here in a moment. What is true of me in this moment, uh, and even a little bit of what is true of God, to be honest with Him. So that you might know when you're talking with Him, He knows this about me, and yet he loves me and embraces me. Or he knows this about me, and he's been good and gracious to me. An honest prayer. So uh, let's do this together here for a moment. We'll kind of uh, enjoy time with the Lord as we go through this rhythm and these scriptures. Where are you right now? Honestly. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Might you come before the Lord now in silence and just simply over and over maybe even say, 
Carry my burden, God. Walk with me. Carry my burden. Would you walk with me? Maybe you're feeling apathetic. God, receive me, though you know I don't even care. I'm here, Lord. You've called me to relationship with yourself, but I don't even care right now. Would you just receive me, please, still? Overjoyed. God, you are too good to me. Maybe you start there. You're feeling, man, I am doing awesome at the turn of the year. I can't wait for 2022. You're like the one person out there thinking that. But start with overjoyed, right? Like, Lord, you are so good to a fool like me. Uh, maybe you're feeling guilty. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't want to hide what I've done or what I've not done. And I know you still embrace me. You forgive me by grace. You welcome me in. Let's do that for a moment. Pray. Come before the Lord and talk to him honestly about where you are right now. God, some of us feel lost right now. Would you find us and would you walk with us into your sovereign good plans this year? Some of us feel overwhelmed right now. God, you carry our burdens. You know what we are carrying and how we are carrying it. Would you take our load? Father, some of us have cold, hard hearts right now. Would you warm them? Would you melt them? Would you draw us to yourself? Father, some of us are burdened by guilt. We know what we have done in the past, and we don't think we can make up for it. We know what we're doing now in secret, and we don't think we can atone for it. God, would you remind us that you have cleansed us by your blood? Father, we thank you that you are a father who, who holds his arms open to us and, and beckons us into relationship with yourself. Father, we thank you for your son who, who died on a cross to pay for our sins, to, to give us access to a relationship with you. Father, we thank you for your spirit who dwells in us and reminds us of these truths and transforms our, our mind, our heart, and our whole lives. To enjoy rela real relationship with you, God, you are real. And to transform everything we're about and all that we do. God, thank you for inviting us to relationship with you, welcoming us into relationship with you, and preparing us for relationship with you by your Son. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God has called us. Uh, we respond by sitting and talking with him in prayer. And then we ought to listen to him in the scriptures.
Then we ought to listen to our God as we read in the scriptures. I, I love the passage that we read, that Brandon read for us. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I might keep your law and oh, observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. You see, what the psalmist is doing, what we do here is we say, Lord, we want to meet you. Would you meet us in your word and teach us, transform us, guide us, show us what's true about who you are, who we are, and who the world is. Change us. You won't find this kind of life-giving relationship anywhere else. No other friend, no other church member, nobody. You won't find him anywhere else. You can search, you can look, you can run. But where we need to find ourselves is with our God in his scriptures, listening to him. Probably the most succinct passage on the scriptures is found in 2 Timothy chapter verses 16 and 17. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, and and we're encouraging everyone, please bring your Bibles, bring a journal, bring a pen that the Lord might speak to us in his scriptures. Uh, Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Uh, It's in the back of your Bible. I I remember it. You know, it's after the God eats potato chips, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians. That's how I remember that. And then the, the T's, they're all kind of in alphabetical order. So you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Now, when I am reading or listening to God, what he has to say to me, I, I think of this passage often because not as a, only is it a great description of what the Bible is, but it is also a great kind of process in which to read, in which to listen to our God. Uh, here's what I do every time I'm in the scriptures. Anytime I open up the word, the, the first question I ask is, what does this say? What does this say? And then in process, I next ask, what does it mean? And then finally I ask, so what? What does it say? What is God saying here as I listen? Uh, what does this mean? And then finally, well, so what? And that process is found right here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out or God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed inspired by God, uh, his insides coming out, uh, that we might know him, that we might uh, see who he is, that, that every word he speaks to us would be absolutely true, infallible, nothing wrong, no contradictions, uh, no errors. Because this is who our God is, and he reveals to us who he is in his scripture uh, that is breathed out of him. Sometimes, particularly with these masks on, it's hard to know what is somebody thinking, what are they feeling, who are they behind that mask, because uh, the, the words are muffled, the, uh, their facial expressions can't be found, and, and in the scriptures, God pulls down the mask and he tells us exactly who he is, what he's about, the story of how he's rescued us and saved us. He says, this is who I am. He breathes it out perfectly that we might know him. He says, I want to be known. Uh, epistemology for a Christian is kind of weird, right? Uh, how we know what is true, it's not through empirical evidence or, or, or uh, self-revelation or experience, but for a Christian, it's really weird and awkward. We say everything we know that is true is found in this word. 
We know what is true about who God is, who the world is, who we are, because we read God's word and know about him, know about ourselves, know about the world. God breathed his insides coming out that we might know him. God pulling down his mask that we might know him. Here's the first step of the process that is profitable with good return. Isaiah 55 verse 11 will say uh, his word never returns void or empty. Here's what's of good return. First, profitable for teaching. That God might tell us something, teach us something about himself. Uh, that we might ask, well, what are you saying then, Lord? When, when you teach me, what are you saying? Uh, we open up any passage and we say, what is the Lord teaching in this? What is he saying in this? What, well, not, not what I believe or what I came to with my presuppositions or what I think is true, but, but Lord, what are you saying in this? Uh, let me remove my lenses and kind of get behind them and say, what are you saying in your scriptures? I want to observe. I want to listen. I, I want to find the words and, and how, what words are repeated, right? What does that word mean and why is it repeated? The themes, the conjunctions, those are super important. The connecting of the ideas of, of how is this and connected to that or, or therefore connected to the thing that came before it or but in contrast to what came before it. So, so how, what is the Lord saying as he teaches me as I sit under him and listen to him? The scriptures will say I want to meditate on his words. Listen intently. Not skimming, but stopping and listening. You, you'll know you're listening when, when, when you read something that he says that is not what you think, when you're offended, <laughs> you say, oh, that's not the God I want to worship, and he says, yes, I am. Oh, that's not the political platform I want to hold, and God says, yes, it is. When conservatives and progressives are offended in the same scriptures and, and both in the congregation are furious, that's when you know we're actually listening to the word of God. <laughs> When you sit with him and you read, I have to die that deeply and repetitiously to serve my family. And we say, that's not what I wanted to hear. And the Lord says, yes, it is. Teaching, what does he say? Mark it up. Write on it. Write it out. Ask the text questions, right? That's the best way to listen to somebody and hear what they say. Lord, what do you mean by this? And dig into the context and the words. Listen intently, meditate, slow down. Uh, intellectually, we might say, well, okay, got that, but are we doing that? Next part of the process is, oh, Scripture, it's profitable for not just teaching and listening to him, what does he say, but for reproof or, or rebuke, right, or correction and training, See, the next thing we want to do when it comes to process after we've listened to the Lord, we, we want to say, well, what the heck does that mean, right? We've gotten all this, in a sense, data from his words, uh, observations, and, and we've listened intently and meditatively and prayerfully. And, and now we say, well, what does that mean? And we say, boom, that means reproof re, uh, or rebuke. God is this and you are not. Oh, my goodness, correction. My life is out of sync with his, we read. 
if what I'm reading here says this and it means that, then what I know is true of God is completely in contrast to what is true of me. And in a negative way, we might say, man, I need rebuking or correcting or transforming in that area. In a positive way, we might say, man, I need training or transformation in that area to be more like my God. So what I like to do in this kind of what does it mean section so I know how it kind of uh, jives with my life or doesn't jive with my life, what the Lord is saying, I write out a summary statement. This is what this text means about who my God is, who I am, who the world is, and summarize it in a principle. That we might then collide with it because when we sit before the living God, the Holy One, the mighty Creator who made us in all things, It's not him that needs to change. It's us. We need to hear what he says, understand what he means, and collide with his grace in that. Say, Lord, transform me. I don't live at work the way you want me to. I don't live in my singleness the way you want me to. I don't live when no one's looking the way you want me to. I've heard what you said, I know what it means, and I realize I need your grace, both for forgiveness and to compel me to obedience. I need correcting, I need transforming, I need training. Lastly, we want to ask, so what? All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Man, what do you say? I want to hear it, Lord. Teach me. For reproof, correction, and training. Lord, what do you mean? I want to be transformed in righteousness. That purpose, the man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete, made whole, mature, brought to the place you were created to be. Reshaped in our thinking, in our affections, in our actions. Complete. Who who we are supposed to be. Uh, Paul will say it in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. I know my God who began a good work in you. He's going to complete it. (laughs) He's begun something. And when we sit with him, listen to him, understand him, he'll begin and continue that transformation process until he completes it. Something he's doing in me, right? Transforming you, transforming me. And then things that he is doing through us as well. For what? For every good work. Equipped for every good work. So what? What do I do? What do I not do? James 1.22 will say, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, James 1.22 says, but do what it says. What a deceiving thing to sit before the God of creation, the Holy One who's, who's so merciful and says, I still want you, I still love you, and to sit with him and then say, I guess after this meeting with the Holy God, I'll just gonna go live my life as I want to live it. How deceiving. <laughs> Don't merely listen to him, meet with him, do what he says, respond to who he is. Some helpful ways I've kind of approached this uh, so what question is, first, is there something that I need to believe or confess as God completes me, as he reshapes me? Is there something new I found in this passage? I need to believe about who my God is or confess about who I am in my sin and disobedience. 
The so what? The change, the transformation. Now, uh, another kind of question I've asked myself is, is there something I am to uh, do or not do? I've heard what you said. I know what it means. And, and now I'm asking, so what? What's it look like in obedience or disobedience? Is there something I need to do or stop doing in my life to line up with who you are and what you desire for me, God? Teach me your ways. And last thing I'll ask is, well, is there someone to tell? Is there someone know Jesus. And, and man, this truth is really critical in their life or super important. They're, they're, they're seeking security in all these other places. And, and here I find that my Lord is so, uh, produces such a security and, and satisfaction in my life. And man, they really got to know this if they only knew it. Now, careful how many times you go with your application to your spouse. Don't do that too many times. Honey, I've read yet another truth you need to hear. <laughs> You're probably not listening yourself to the Lord. Uh, we have some guides in the back. We've got them on our resource page as well to help us do this, to, to say, what is he saying? What does it mean? What do I do? So what? Uh, it's called the SOAP Guide and the Grow Guide. We've got some others on our resource page, but we've got these printed out for you in the back. You can snag one on your way out. I want us to do this for a moment. What does this say? What does it mean? And so what? Uh, if you've got your journal here, and I, I hope you do, uh, if you don't, you can snag one on the way out as a gift to you that you might sit at the feet of Jesus. Uh, let's do this first. What does this say? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Go ahead. Write it out in hand. Write the whole verse slowly. What does he say? What words are important? What themes pop to the surface? Slowly meditate on word by word. Well, don't you understand, right? Question here or there. Now, we're just getting a taste of this, but when we ask ourselves, well, what is God saying in this? What does he say? For Christ. Who? Who Christ suffered or died once for sins? The, uh, the righteous one, right? The, uh, my Savior, Christ, the anointed one. Uh, who? He's the one who did all the work, right? Also suffered, died once for sins. How many times, we might ask? Once. Why do I keep beating myself up over sins? Why can't I be compelled by his grace to live in obedience once for all? It is finished kind of things on the cross kind of flow through my mind. The righteous for the unrighteous. What does righteous mean? Uh, the one who's obedient, holy, perfect, Jesus, the Christ, him. What? Well, it sounds like a transaction, a him for me, uh, a substitution. Jesus, the holy one, in my place, the unrighteous one. Why? Purpose statement, conjunction, that he might bring us to God. The purpose of the cross the life, the death, the resurrection of the chosen one, the Christ, is that I could be brought to God to enjoy a relationship with the living God, to be embraced though I'm a sinner. 
What does it say? What does it mean? Write out just one sentence. Summarize it. What does the passage mean? Try and boil it down into one truth that's capturing you that you're going to even highlight out of it. Sometimes a passage will have a couple different main truths, but man, what's the one thing that you think this is getting after? might summarize it something like this. All God did to give me relationship with himself. All Jesus did that I wouldn't be exiled alone in darkness, but to bring me in, to draw me near to himself. And then you might uh, start jotting down some so what's and write down, uh, is there something to believe or to confess in my own life? Is there something to do or not do in my own life as a result? Or is there someone I need to tell this to, a believer or a non-believer? And then writing a response of a so what. How am I transformed? How am I changed by this truth? Go ahead and write down what it might be. And, and then look, we're going through this way too fast, but this is a taste what the Lord is offering us day in and day out as we sit at his feet. You may have focused on the once for sins done and finished. And maybe you're to do, your response was, let go of my guilt. It's finished, I'm forgiven, and you write that down. And then you tell someone, man, I, I'm wrestling with guilt that, that won't let me go. Would you remind me that I'm forgiven? Uh, maybe you focus on that to bring us to God. And your so what is why do I keep not coming to God? I will sit with Him in the mornings to know Him and enjoy Him. I'll refresh and look back on my day to know Him, to enjoy Him at the end. See, He calls us to Himself that we might first sit and talk with Him. Then He says, listen to me. And we sit and we're transformed by His Scriptures. Pray, read, and we pray again. Let's just get honest with them again when we close our time with the Lord. Uh, particularly remembering the gospel, the good news. Maybe we read something that, that we just need to be reminded, man, I'm forgiven by grace, but yet this grace compels me now to new obedience and holiness. We just pray, we talk to Him honestly about this to close our time with the Lord. Maybe there's just something that, that just caught fire in you about who our God is and, and how gracious and merciful and mighty He is. You just praise Him for that at the end of your time, talk to Him in prayer. Uh, again, I find it so helpful to write down these prayers. Why? That it helps me focus in my time with the Lord. I have to write it down. But it also grows my faith because as I'm writing and praying and talking, 
if he's not listening, I'm crazy. (laughs) This is a relationship with the living God, and he is listening. And so often I'll just, you know, this little uh, acronym's been helpful in a closing prayer for me. Adoration, I'll praise him for who he is and be reminded of the gospel and how good he is. I'll adore him. Then I'll confess, I'll just say, you know who I am, Lord, how I don't line up with you. But, but then I'll give thanks for his grace and thanks for all the blessing in my life that he's given to me. And then, then I'll, I'll, I'll do a supplication and I'll ask, I'll talk to him, Lord, help me in this or God, transform that. Let's close our time in prayer, talking with our God. Maybe use this acronym, maybe just talk with him honestly now. Come before him. And Father, would you draw us your people, know who you are, enjoy you, and be transformed by you. God, how might 15 minutes transform the hours of our day and the days of our week and the weeks of our month and months of our year, God? God, by your grace, draw us to yourself. We waste so much time, waste so much life if we are not sitting at your feet first. We want to know you, enjoy you, and walk with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The story of Josiah is an awesome one. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, we read about it. And Josiah is this boy king. He's he's eight years old. And then when he gets to be about 16, he decides, chapter 34, verse 3 says, that he will begin to seek the Lord, the God of David. And what happens is, is amazing. You know, he... He's been leading this kingdom, uh, God's people, and they're in just turmoil. And in verse 14 of chapter 34, they find the book of the law. And uh, when they find the book of the law, they kind of dust it off and they just start reading the book of the law. In verse 14, they they were bringing all this money out and and the priest finds the book of the law and and they bring it to Josiah and, and... and they just start reading, and, and Josiah tears his clothes. and says, man, we haven't been living according to your ways. We haven't been sitting at your feet getting to know you. And then he does the most amazing thing in response. He starts ripping down all the idols in his life and in the whole land. And he starts reading the scriptures over and over uh, for himself and all of his people. And then they start celebrating the Sabbath again and enjoying God's rest and grace and living in response to God's goodness. And some of us, man, we, we've got to dust off the book of the law. Uh, we've got to get to know the living God. We've got to sit with Him. It's the very reason the Son died, that we can enjoy relationship with the living God. Maybe you're feeling guilty about not sitting with him enough. Would you be reminded he, he, he opens his arms to embrace you now? 
Maybe you're longing to know him more. You've been looking all over for life and you're not finding it. Would you come sit at his feet? Meditate on his words. Get to know him. He loves you. And then, in the power of his spirit and in the power of the resurrection, when we walk in newness of life, knowing our God, knowing his grace, compelled to holiness by his grace. Let's take, eat, remember. Our God wants to draw us to himself and transform us by his grace this morning, tomorrow, the 